Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. I hope today as you listen to the message, whether you're watching online or you're watching here uh, or or you're here in the sanctuary with me, I hope that you will uh, unclog your filter. I hope that you will uh, set... uh, things aside, how you listen, you know, because a lot of times you will listen to what I say through your trauma. You'll listen to what I say through your offense. You'll listen to what I will say through your experience and you will hear it through a clogged filter. And so Holy Spirit, come right now and just open us up that we will hear the word of God uh, as you intend it to be heard today. Because if you don't, Uh, you're very likely to be offended at this. And if you are offended at at times in the message, you know, I don't take offense at that because Jesus got so offended at Jesus' teaching that they really wanted to kind of bash his brains out. They wanted to stone him. Many times he had to kind of look around and sneak out the back door because they were already getting their plan together. So security team, if y'all will help me after this message, uh, that we're just going to go out on these back doors. So who is he? Who is he to you? And, um, you know, there's in Matthew chapter 16, I don't want you to turn there, but in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked this question to the disciples. And he said, listen, what are people saying? Who, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some of them think that you're John the Baptist. Some of them think that you're the prophet. Uh, uh, is, was it Elijah? Uh, but they, he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but who do you say I am? Because you are the ones that really matter because you're my closest uh, uh, circle of influence. Who do you say that I am? And, you know, Peter, he looks at him and he says, well, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. You are the sent one. You are the anointed one. You're the Lord. And the Lord said to him, he said, Peter, flesh and blood. In other words, you did not receive that revelation naturally. You received that revelation supernaturally. Like, and upon that very statement, I will build my kingdom. I will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hey, listen to me. If you don't ever get anything else out of that, that's why it's so important to be connected to the church. And we get into this thing today. Well, preacher, I'm I'm, I'm affiliated with the, the big C church. Well, isn't that just trendy? Yeah, that sounds so cool. Yeah, we're all, if you're a part of a church, we're all, we, you know, I don't, I, I don't know about you. I don't know one single pastor that is literally, uh, you know, arrogant enough to say, I'm trying to build my kingdom. There might be a few out there, but there's more people building the kingdom than their kingdom. Sure, there's a bunch of bad apples out there in every profession. But if you don't get anything out of that, it's like he says, 
The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That's why it's so important to be connected with the big C church, but the local church. You can try to do life without it, and I'm telling you, you might be able to do it, but it's going to be hard. There is something about community. There is something about family that when you have family that cares for you, that shows up for you. So he says, I want to know who you say I am. Who am I to you? And he says, I'm the Lord. Uh, you are the Lord. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. And so in this series, I just want to talk to you the difference between uh, Jesus as Savior and Jesus as Lord. Jesus saves us because he loves us. It's that simple. He saves us because he loves us. But we serve him because we love him. Do you see what's happening in the relationship? He, the doing that he does is saving. It's salvific in nature. He saves us. Why? Because he loves us. So what is the response? We can't save Jesus. That's his job. What is our response to the Lord? It's servanthood. We serve him because we love him. Well, I'm going to go back there and they want me to serve in the nursery. I'm just going, you know, no, no, nobody, nope. You serve because you love Jesus. That's wherever you serve. I tell you what, I've had people that... They have marched right up to me and told me they're a worship leader. I'm like, you can tell that somebody else who cares. Because, you know, I've had people, I know y'all don't know these conversations that take place, but I've had people to literally have no affiliation with our church that they come a couple of times and they're like, what, uh, how can I get on, on the schedule to minister on, on like sing? And I'm like, listen, I ain't up here because, now, now y'all know, I'm not up here because I just love to sing. Now, I do love to sing, but I am not up here on the praise team because I necessarily want to be. It's not that I don't want to be, but I'm up here because right now at this time in our church history, I need to be. But in the first 14 years, I never stepped foot on the praise team. But I can tell you what, I ain't so desperate that somebody can walk in off the street and ask me how they can get up on the stage because I don't know you like that. And this is a holy place. This whole, uh, every serving place is a holy place. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, no, you serve because you love him. You serve be not because you can sing good or you can play good or you can, you can do something, you know, technologically uh, better than somebody else. We'll settle for less if we have to sacrifice integrity. We serve him because we love him. That's the reason we do it. And I'm telling you what, there are some times I don't want to do some things in ministry. I, I know y'all don't believe that. I know y'all think that everything I do in the church, I want to do. Newsflash, I don't. Why do I do it? Because I love him. I also love you. 
But I love him. And I will do it because it needs to be done in the kingdom. Look at this. Jesus came to be our savior and our sovereign. Lord means sovereign. Sovereign means the sovereign makes the rules. The sovereign can change the rules at any moment. The sovereign is the one who has complete authority. The sovereign is the one who absolutely owns everything. The Lord of an estate owns the entire state, but estate, but the people who are on the estate manage the estate. And they are given a portion of the estate to manage. Shay and I just came back from a trip from France and we stayed in a 409 year old estate. It was a beautiful little manor. And the lord of that manor, La Poule, I believe the guy's name was. Uh, and and so is, is this really cool experience that we had. But at the very back of the estate, there was this little uh, house, this little shack of a house where this little guy named Roger had lived and generations of his family. Now, I don't know if it went back as far as the Lord of the estate, but generations of his family were given a portion of the land on that estate to manage, but the Lord owned it, at least in those days. It's the same thing in our lives. You know, everything you have Everything you and I have, God owns. He owns everything. He owns your body. Scripture says, don't you know that your body is a temple of who? Holy Spirit. So it's a temple of, meaning ownership of the Holy Spirit. Your body, your very body belongs to to God. All the money that you have belongs to God. Why? How'd you get it? You got it with a body doing stuff that he owned. Like he owned this. So the very tool that you use to get the money, you see where everything, your children, listen, the Lord had to work on me with this. Your children are not even your own. Your children are the Lord's. He just births them into the earth through you, gives them to you for a, for a while to train them up and disciple them. But ultimately, they're the Lord's. So there are times in, I don't know about your life, but there have been times in my life where I've been gone, mm-mm, them your kids, Lord. Those are your kids. You deal with them. You deal with them. And I'm, I'm being a little funny, but I'm, I'm being very serious too. There have been times in my life where I've been overwhelmed with grief. I've been overwhelmed with fear. I've been overwhelmed with frustration. And I've just said, Lord, you gave them to me to manage for a season. And I feel like I did a, a pretty good job. I was not a perfect parent. My wife wasn't a perfect parent, but we raised our kids up in church. We taught them right. And God, I know that you love them more than I love them. 
He's sovereign over everything. He came to be our savior. He came to be our sovereign. But here's the dilemma, guys. Why do you even care? Why do you want to hear this? Because we just came out of that series, The World is Watching. The world is watching how we live. All these people out here, they're saying that Jesus, I'm a Christian. Yeah, you are a Christian. You are saved. But you suck. I'm sorry. You suck at relationship with God. Mm, mm, mm. Some of y'all's toes are bleeding. (laughs) There is a difference between Jesus as Savior and Lord. And some people are only in the, the, the Savior realm. I want you to look at this. As Savior, I gain position in him. Jesus, this is fixing to be good. When he becomes my savior, I gain a position in him. I was a pauper, now I'm a prince. I was an orphan, now I'm a son. I was poor, but now I'm rich. I was weak, but now I'm strong. I was broken, now I'm complete. I was empty, but now I am full. I gain position. I get a right to sit at the right hand of the Father with Jesus. I get a right to rule with him. I get a right to sit at the the, the, uh, feast of the lamb, you know, in the afterlife. I get all of that. I have a position, but look at this. When he becomes Lord, he gains position in me. When I make him Lord of my life. Now I want you to, I want you to understand. Nobody can make Jesus is the savior of the world. How can I say that? Because that's exactly what scripture, it literally says, God sent his son to be the savior of the world. Is the whole world going to be saved? No. Why? Because they choose not to. Because here's the next thing. I'm free to choose. I'm free to choose him as my savior or I can reject him as my savior. I'm free to choose him as Lord or I can reject him as Lord. But I don't make him Lord. He is Lord of the earth. I don't make him savior. He is the savior of the world. But when I make him savior and Lord of my life, The thing that I have a choice over, my free will, he gains position in me. And I say to the Lord, Lord, you have now complete authority over every area of my life. All of my wants, all of my desires, everything that I do is going to die and I'm going to submit them to you because we just sang, your way is better, your way is better. Listen, he's got a better person picked out for you a lot of times than you picked out for your wife or husband, spouse. He's got a better job for you. He's got a better plan for your life. And if you will partner with him, God will take your desires and he will he he will work with you in that and it's just better it's better it's always better but look at this it costs me nothing to make him savior but it costs me everything to make him lord when i make him my savior 
I can't do anything in myself. I can't pay for it. I can't work for it hard enough. It doesn't come through anything except the freeness, the love of God. But when I make him my Lord, it's going to cost you something. Jesus said, if any man desires to come after me and follow me, that he's got to first, the very first thing is to, to deny himself and take up his cross. Guys, I'm just going to tell you, in the United States, we got a denial problem. I, I'm not talking about a mental denial problem. We have an indulgence problem. We have an elite, an elitist problem. We are, there's an entitlement. And we, we don't like things to be taken away from us. Because can I just tell you, we're greedy. Y'all can agree with me and amen if you want to or you don't. I don't care. I'm telling you, this is the way it is. Every nation, Israel, you can go back and look. Every time that Israel was blessed abundantly, they ended up in idolatry and turning their backs on God. And God had to come along and spank their hiney to get them back in line. It is good for us to have this tension. You know, tension is not always a bad thing. I used to think tension is bad. And one of my leaders, a mentor, spoke to me one time and he was talking to me about tension and he said, Rife, he said, if you go out here and you got a boat, you put that boat on the back of your trailer, he said, and you get on the road and you don't tie that thing down or anything, or maybe you just throw a strap over it and you just kind of do one of those, you know, little kid knots on it. He said, you get on down the road, that thing's going to get to wobbling and you're going to have a boat in the middle of the highway. He said, tension. There is the right amount of tension that you have got to have to hold things in place and to be in order. There is this place that's perfect tension we need to be at a place where we've got enough to be a blessing but we don't but we're not gluttonous does that make sense that's why that destiny church we we're always going to have outflow always going to be sourcing out and giving money away why because i'm telling you and brian I, i don't know if you were with me in uh you might not have been with me but we were down in um Tampa, Florida. Did you go with me years ago when we went and did some inner city ministry? There's a, uh, there was a church. Oh, Jesus, help me to preach quick. There was a church down there. W- used to be a large church right downtown. And um, they, remember last week in the message, I announced to you guys this new uh, business that the church started. It's a for-profit arm called the Talenton Group. And it's to have resources coming into the church um, they started this high rise. And so they built this church was a wealthy church. They built this high rise building. And I don't know, it's probably 16 stories high. Uh, and all of these people moved into it and they lived there. They were condos like you're moving on up to, you know, like the Jefferson say they lived there. Well, they became old. And they were all a bunch of old senior adults in that, in that building. Man, it was bringing in boo of money. 
And that church had millions of dollars, but no outflow. And they had about five people that attended that church because they all died. And they all, they didn't reproduce themselves and they didn't, there was no outflow. If there's no outflow, you become septic. You begin to die. And man, I just look back at that and I'm like, listen, God wants to bless his church. He wants to bless his church when we make him Lord of everything. He's Lord of literally everything. And so... I want you to look at this. In Luke chapter 10, verse 27, the scripture says that a man came to Jesus and Jesus asked Jesus, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord said, uh, you know, you know what the scripture says. And the man said, yes, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, he's, he's saying, it's going to cost you everything. You've got to love God with every aspect of your life. He says all, that means totality, everything, nothing left out. And then he begins to break it down. He says, love him with all your heart. The scripture says, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is or where your treasure is that's where your heart is the things that are important to you so what what is the lord of your heart what is the lord of your heart i tell you i know some folks the lord of their heart is baseball their kids travel softball uh, or travel ball team you know you can get mad at me if you want to. I've had people get mad at me and leave destiny because I've told them, you know, you're, you need to have your kid in church. I can say this because I got family. And if y'all watching, I'm sorry, I don't mean to hurt y'all's feelings, but the chances of your kid making the major leagues is slim. It's possible, but it's slim. But his chance of going to heaven or hell are guaranteed. 100%. He's going to spend eternity. She's going to spend eternity somewhere. And there are people who have made uh, the, the, the ball field is really their Lord. They, you know, Jesus, when he said, if you confess with your mouth that he is Lord... And believe in your heart. So salvation and lordship were always intended to go together. But we're the ones who have separated it. Because we just want to live over here in Jesus save me land. What, what, did, what did Jesus say to Peter when he said, Peter, based upon what you just said, I am the Lord. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, there's going to... You, you ever met these people that they are constantly in chaos? 
I'm telling you what, man, there are some people that there is a calling on their life, but they cannot realize the calling and the anointing on their life because of their chaos. They are constantly in chaos. Why? Because they only know Jesus as Savior. Jesus saved me. Jesus saved my marriage. Jesus saved my kids. Jesus saved my finances because I spent them all on lawyers. God saved my, uh, save, save my this, save my that, save me, save me, save me, save me. I'm just telling you, when you make him Lord of your life, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. It does not mean that you still won't have those troubles. It doesn't mean that they won't uh, come and assail against you, but you will operate at a different level because he is Lord and you have given him position in your life. And people who do life with the Lord are stronger. I'm telling you. I know. I walked into that hospital room when Quentin and Sierra lost their child. And I'm like, how are they doing this? Because he was Lord over their life. He was Lord over their children. I've walked into other hospital rooms where people had not made him Lord of their life. And they were devastated at the love. Their marriage didn't survive because they couldn't make it because they lost their child. Over here, lordship, peace. Over here, chaos, division, and destruction, kill, steal, and destroy. That's why he intends to be our savior and our sovereign. But there is this change that takes place. There's a shift in the maturing believer. We all come to Jesus as immature babies. Every single one of us. I don't care if you are a college educated person. I don't care if you have a PhD, a DDD or whatever's behind your name. Whatever level you are, we all come to Christ as immature believers. But we can't stay there. God intends for us to grow in relationship with him. And when we come to him in that state, he will accept us as we are. But he will not allow us to stay as we are. Listen, some people have this distorted, graceful view of God and Jesus that it's like, oh, I can just do whatever I want to. I can live however I want to. It's just Jesus loves me. I'm telling you what, you, 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 uh, the devil is a lie. You are not reading the full counsel of God, my friend. You've not read that he says, I will prune off the dead pieces and cast them in the fire. If you don't believe that God is not into pruning, you've not read the book of John, my friend, because he expects, oh, there's no requirements for grace. There's no requirements for salvation, my friend, but there is a requirement upon us in this relationship. I expect something out of my wife. My wife expects something out of me. We don't got no open relationship. I'm telling you what, if she ever does any of that kind of mess on me or I do any of that, no, no, no. Because there's a requirement in this relationship. I have some expectations of her and she's got some expectations of me. Jesus has some expectations of his church. Somebody needs to tell the bride of Christ to be the bride of Christ and not the baby of Christ. 
now that Elon Musk done, took over Twitter, somebody ought to get on there and tweet that. But, but look, we want to stay in that baby mode, and somebody needs to tell the babe of Christ, not Christ the babe, the baby of Christ, the baby Christians, it ain't all about you. It ain't all about you. It ain't all about you. There are some requirements. There's a shift that takes place. And when we begin to realize that he's not just my fat daddy. You with me? He ain't my sugar daddy. Some of y'all, some of us, I used to be that way. All my prayers revolved around me. Lord, I need me. I need this. I need that. I need you to help me with this. Why? Because I was just living in the relationship of Savior only. But then it all of a sudden shifted. And it was no longer just about rife. It was about my love for him. See, at first, I did not become a believer because I loved Jesus. Think with me now. I didn't become a believer because I loved Jesus. I, believe, I became a believer because I didn't want to go to hell. I was a hellion, a heathen. I'm telling it. I didn't get saved because I loved him. I got saved because I was afraid of going to hell because I knew where I was going. But over a period of time, I became to know his goodness. Because I'm just telling you, man, when you see somebody get you out of a pickle and then they get you out of another pickle and soon you got a whole pickle jar of his goodness and you, you, something makes you think, surely he loves me. Surely he cares for me with all these pickles. And you go, if he loves me that much, I love him. I love him. I love him. I love him. And all of a sudden, this shift begins to take place. I'm going to try to wrap this up in maybe 15 minutes. Let me tell you all a weird thing. And I believe it was a God thing that happened to me this week. So I was over at those apartments that I talked about last week at the Talentine group. So I'm in there. Now, I didn't realize that the, I was going to be in there with the other workers. I thought I was going to be in there by myself that day. And these other workers showed up. And, uh, and so anyway, they don't know who I am. When they walk in and they see me, who did I see in the store? And I'm like, Jesus, I asked you to let me not see anybody in this store that I knew. And the first thing I did is run into some church folks. <laughs> who was it? was it? I can't remember who it was. But I'm like, ah, oh, I was just covered. Like, you know, I looked like a mime. I had so much dust on my face and my clothes and everything. Was it y'all? But I, I was just messed up, man. I was just, and they, they walk in. So what, who do they assume I am? I'm just a worker. And so they're going about the house and everything. And we're talking, you know, we're just having, you know, some conversation. And they're Hispanic. And there's a reason I'm telling you that. 
uh, you'll understand in a minute. They're Hispanic. And so uh, we're working and, you know, and so they talk to me. I'm talking to them. And uh, their language is a little colorful, you know. And so anyway, this one guy, he's talking to me. I offer him a drink and everything. And so anyway, he says a, he says a few bleepity bleeps and, and, you know. And I'm like, uh, so I'm like, I'm just doing my thing now. So anyway, I leave one apartment and go to the next apartment to do a little bit of work. In the meantime, Milton comes by looking for me. All right? So over here, before Milton ever came, I'm construction worker, right? I'm construction worker. I'm just one of them. I'm just one of them. In the meantime, I'm over here in another apartment. Well, Milton comes by, and we just had this conversation in our men's mentoring group the other night. I, I hardly ever tell anybody I'm a pastor because when I tell them I'm a pastor, they immediately start treating me differently. They start acting like, Somebody they ain't. <laughs> Unless you are. And then you ain't got to act. Well, 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 well. Milton comes by and he's like, hey, have you guys seen the pastor? And they're like, we don't know any pastor. What are you talking about? We just saw that other guy here. You know, he's the, he's the other worker that was here. He's like, oh, yeah, the man, he, he, that guy, he's the pastor. So I go back over, and Milton's not there. And he said, hey, some guy comes by. I, I want to tell y'all, I just got to tell y'all, this is hilarious. I told this to Milton. I said, I want to show you how I don't see color. I don't, man. I really, y'all don't, you, you, I don't care if you believe me or not. That's how I am. I just see people. I love everybody. And they said, this guy came by looking for you. I'm like, who come by looking for me? And so I'm thinking it's uh, Alan uh, Waldrop. And so I'm explaining. I'm like, about this tall, you know, it's this guy, you know, it's that. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, no. It's a Hispanic guy came by. And I'm like. Hispanic? What Hispanic guy would be looking for me? Like, I don't know. And then it dawned on me. They're like, he's about like this. And I'm like, oh, the Puerto Rican that's helping me do this that I go to church with, that guy. And they're like, yeah, he come by and he said, so he's like, anyway, we're talking. I noticed that the language cleared up a little bit. And then something happened. He came to me. Now, ooh, Jesus. My God, this is so good. I hope I can say it as good as you have revealed it to me, Lord. He said, the man came by and he said, have you seen? And he said, the one who owns the place. Now, you understand, I don't own it. If you a tither and you a partner financially with destiny, we own it. We do. But that's how Milton said it, or at least that's how they reported it to me. In their mind, there was a shift. I was no longer the construction guy. Now I'm the Lord. They were doing their work in the house. 
They never ask me about anything. And oh, Jesus, one of them comes up to me and says, Maestro. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Now, I don't speak but a little teeny tiny bit of Spanish, but I know that maestro can mean two words. Teacher. Oh my God. Something changed from right here. Construction worker. Now I'm the teacher. Maestro. Master. Lord. Something changed. They started viewing me in a whole new. And when he came to me, he said, Maestro, mira. Master, look. Will you come and look? He wanted me to come inspect all of the moldings. What happened? The perspective changed. And I'm like, oh my God, this is just so amazing. That God is giving me this revelation of, 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 of like when we move and that shift happens in our life. Oh, man. It's like we go from this place of, you know, you're one of us. You're among us. Thank you. I appreciate what you did kind of thing. You know, I gave the guys some drinks. They were like, yeah, thank you, man, for the, for the drinks. We appreciate it, you know, kind of thing. But all of a sudden, that shift took place, and all of the sudden, they began to treat me differently. And I don't mean it was fake or, you know, sanctimonious like I received it, like, dang, right, you should be, you know, appreciate. No, I don't mean any of that. I don't mean any of that. It was, it was just this beautiful revelation that God gave to me that when we shift, and he becomes Lord of our life. We all of the sudden, we don't look at it like he, you own everything and you, yeah. come see master. Come see my kids. Come see my family. Come see my house, God. Look at this offering that I have, you know, that I want to give to you. Everything changes when he becomes Lord of your life. I want you to look at this. Look at Luke 646 uh, through 49 with me uh, real quick. So in Luke 646 through 49, I'll give you a second to get there. Jesus, he's talking about building this solid foundation again. Are you there? All right. New Living Translation says it like this. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Hmm. Why do you keep calling me Lord? There were some people calling him Lord, but they were not doing what he said. So there is a correlation between lordship and obedience. Like, if you call me Lord, then you got to do what I say that you're supposed to do. And I'm not doing it because I'm a tyrant. And I just want to see you perform like a puppet. It's because I'm God. I created these things and I know they work. I know how they work. And if you will listen to me. And then he says, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me and listens to my teaching and then follows it. There's a listening and then a doing. There's a hearing and an execution. Verse 48 says, it's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays a foundation on solid rock. 
What did, what did Jesus say to Peter? Peter, based upon your confession that I am Lord, that I am the Christ, I will build my church on that rock. He says, it's like them building a foundation on a solid rock. And when the flood waters rise, oh my gosh, you just need to get your pen out and circle some of this stuff. When the flood waters rise, look at your neighbor and say, the flood waters are going to rise. Do it. The flood waters are going to rise. Listen, can I tell you, my mama used to say this, come hell or high water. You ever heard that? The flood waters are going to rise. The economy is going to tank. The economy is going to rise. You're going to lose a job. You're going to get a job. The kids are going to mess up. The kids are going to do good. There are things that are going to come in your life. When the flood waters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and does not obey is like a person who builds a house on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, the collapse uh, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. I love how uh, the King James, uh, New King James Version says, and the destruction of that house will be great. What he's saying right here is that there are people that will call him Lord, but I am not Lord of your life because you do not uh, live a life that is in alignment with obedience. That is not what lordship looks like. Listen, when he is Lord of your life, nobody has to drag your butt out of bed and get you to the church house. You are looking forward to coming to church before Friday even gets here. Why? Because because when you want to get involved in the worship, people, I'm telling you, people that don't know how to worship. And now, listen, 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 listen. We're all, we're all at different levels of worship. I'm not at a level of worship that I would love to be. I would love to be so much freer than I am. But I, you know, I, I'll, I'll get into worship and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, Lord, you know, we had, we had a lady running around the room. The visitors ain't going to come back, you know. Well, you know, I can't do nothing about that. We don't need to get too lost, too lost, because we're going to lose the ones in the shallow end of the pool. You know, this is, this is preacher stuff that goes through your head. But when we make him Lord of our worship, we don't care what. And it's like if the visitors walk out and leave and go to a different church, this ain't the church for them. Or maybe they'll go and they'll come back or, or whatever. But the American church does church for the wrong reason anyway. Yeah. I'm telling you we need us a black organist up here. Y'all know. Y'all ain't praying hard enough. He's a preacher and not an organist. But listen, when he is Lord of your worship, you desire it. When he is Lord of your worship, you don't care what it looks like. You know, y'all seen those ugly criers? 
You got pretty criers and ugly criers, ugly crier. You got those people, and I'm just telling you, black folks, they just know how to dance in the spirit. It looks all like, mm, and I'll get up here, and it's like, oh, stop. But when you are in love with him and he's Lord of your worship, you don't care. When he's Lord of your giving, when he's Lord of all your resources, you don't care because your house is his house. Your bank account is his bank account. And if you, know, if you give it away, God will give you more. I'm just telling you, that's where it is. That's where it is. And I just want to share a few things with you. Look at this. When Jesus is Lord, we accept his position. When he's Lord, God, you're Lord, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm accepting you as Lord of my life. I'm making you, I'm giving you permission to be Lord of my life. We accept his position. Jesus is Savior of the world positionally. Like, you don't make him Savior of the world. But we make him Savior of our lives when we receive him personally. When we receive him personally, I'm telling you what, he becomes our Lord. We make him a priority. We make him a priority. He is a priority. And not only is he a priority, he is preeminent. He's the most important. Not just one priority. I've got a lot of priorities, but he's the most important. He's the preeminent reason that I live. And when God is priority, you don't have to beg folks to come to church. You don't have to beg folks to serve. You don't have to beg folks to give. You don't have to beg. We make him priority. The reality is the American church has so many other priorities. Listen, the game plan has never changed for God. He said, you will love the Lord your God and you will love him only. He says, for I am a jealous God, and I will not share you with anyone else. His plan has always been to be Lord over our lives, so we make him a priority. And then he's precious to us. I've already said the scripture to you where it says, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Jesus, he becomes precious to us. He becomes valuable to us. I'm not talking about precious like, oh, my little precious darling. Yeah, I'm not talking about that precious. I'm talking about value. I'm talking about he is valuable to us. There is value in relationship. We regard him with reverence and holiness. I'm telling you what, like a lot of you, you know, know that Shay and I poke fun and that's just kind of like my personality. We kind of poke or I poke, you know, and, and, you know, just tell you a lot of our humorous stuff. But I respect my wife. I value her. You will never see me knowingly or or purposely devalue my wife in public because I value her. She is precious to me. When he is precious to us, he's Lord of our life. And then we submit every part of our lives to him, every single part of our lives to him. And I'm telling you what, if you have some areas of your life that you've not submitted to him, I want you to think about that. Is there an area of your life that you've not fully allowed Jesus to become Lord over? 
if you ask yourself that question with uh, an honesty and an integrity in your heart, like I really mean this, God, are there any areas of my life? I'm going to tell you what, God many times responds very quickly. If you ask an honest question, Holy Spirit will give you an honest answer. And, it, and it's amazing that you can be a Christian 10, 15, 20, 30 years and still not allowed him to be Lord over everything. I think it's just a process. It's a journey that we're on. And, you know, and I'm asking myself, Lord, what are areas of my life that I, Rife, have not allowed you to be Lord completely over? And there are some things, guys. There are some things. For me, they're not necessarily, I don't, I don't think, physical, but they're mental things that I have not allowed God to be Lord over. I'm just telling you, if you begin to just ask that question and say, God, what are the areas that you are not Lord over my life? And this is not one of those questions that um, we toss out and say, you know, just consider nothing. No, good. Josh, you good? No, no it's like, mm-mm. there's something. 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 So what is it, God, so that I can surrender it all to you? Because I want to be Lord. I want you to be Lord over every area. And I want you to go back to Luke uh, uh, chapter 6. Not physically, but just in your mind. Because Jesus said, why do you call me Lord? When you're not living a life of obedience. Like, why are you calling me Lord? Because those who love me do what I say. He said, if you love me, you will, anybody know? You will keep my commands. Keep my commands. And so, this morning, I just want you to, uh, to enter into that dialogue with yourself and with Holy Spirit. And do something about it. Do something about it. If he's not over, Lord over your finances, do something about it. If he's not Lord over your marriage, do something about it. If he's not Lord over your thought life, do something about it. What is one thing you can do? And do something towards making him Lord in that area.